Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Charlotte is Beth Colling. Beth is the Chief Compliance Officer from CDM Smith. And joining us from all the way on the other side of the country is Greg Chaguba. Greg is a longtime compliance and ethics consultant and a member of the faculty for many of the SCCE academies. And the two of them served as co-chairs for the risk track at the 2020 Compliance and Ethics Institute, which will be taking place virtually September 14th through 16th. Uh, Greg, Beth, thanks for taking the time to talk to us and your work putting the track together. Thank you, Adam. Thanks. So, Greg, let's start with you. First, can you take us through the risk track briefly, including some of the topics that will be addressed? Thank you for putting this together, Adam, and, and inviting us um, to this podcast. Um, we're both very excited about the risk track lineup this year, especially since we are all focused on good risk management um, at this current time. I mean, both professionally and in our personal lives, um, it's never been more important that we have good risk management um, practices in place. Um, being thoughtful and well prepared for us to for everyone here to manage risk will make all the difference on how effectively we can protect our organizations from potential liabilities and, and harm. Um, for this year's CEI, um, for this year's CEI, we have a great lineup of risk topics and experienced speakers that will share insights um, and practical solutions that practitioners can immediately leverage and practice. Um, some of the sessions are focused on effective risk management practice generally. Uh, which is really the how of risk management, while others will touch on those important compliance risk areas that are top of mind for most organizations. Um, a few of the topics um, that, that you had asked um, were, are the, the obvious, anti-corruption and bribery, um, antitrust, government contracts and relationships, uh, third-party risk, which is becoming a top priority in risk for most areas, uh, social media, workplace harassment, um, leveraging big data and technology to manage risk, um, are just to name a few of, of the, uh, the good topics we have on the agenda. Um, regardless of the session selected, um, attendees are going to find engaging coverage of these topic areas. There's great insights from top experts, and most of our uh, experts across the CEI are personable and in touch with current trends and challenges. Um, we're, we're looking forward to another great risk track in CEI this year and the opportunity for all of us in the community to connect and collaborate together online in, in this virtual format. Well, it's definitely the time where we're all looking at risks in new ways. Uh, you know, everything from the fact that, well, most risk assessments companies did, did include a pandemic to, you know, as you alluded to, the personal risk assessment we all make every time we leave our homes at this point. Now, Beth, I think when it comes to risk management, we all got a lessons in black swan events this year. You know, the pandemic came out of nowhere. Few risk assessments, as I mentioned, likely included it in them. Rather than make me want to throw my hands up on the idea of risk management, it reminds me of something that Nicholas Taleb wrote, who's the man who coined the term black swan. And he said, we can't control risk, but we can control our responses to them. Do you think there's a lesson here for compliance teams? Hi, Adam, and thanks for having me on. And yes, I absolutely agree. Um, first of all, this whole thing with the pandemic is about resilience, right? You just said we all take a risk just when we leave our homes. So when we're faced with something like this, it's about how we can overcome the unexpected. Compliance is always about trying to define what is going to work to prevent, detect, and respond to risk, right? 
sometimes we think we have the right thing that then proves out to be ineffective. So we see this pandemic and we think, okay, social distance, that's enough. Well, then we find out that's not enough. Then we have to change and we have to wear masks and then we have to stay home. So we have to be prepared to be flexible. And I think compliance professionals already have to face that. We don't want a black swan event, but we know it happens. You know, unfortunately think about Fukushima. The nuclear plant in Japan was built to withstand an earthquake or a tsunami, but not both at the same time. So the good thing is if we're prepared, we can look back on some of these events and say, all right, what were the tools that we needed in order to keep going forward and not just throw up our hands? You know, one was the ability to respond to change. You know, change management is a huge part of what compliance professionals see. Um, we don't let that experience sink us. Instead, we learn to bounce back, become more resilient. So we're better prepared to face a new risk that may come up tomorrow. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson that uh, compliance teams are going to see with this. And I think, you know, we all get daily reminders of how resilient business can be if it has the need to and the commitment to do it. I mean, you take a look at drugstores and supermarkets. One day you walked in and they looked like they always did. The next day they all had plastic dividers up. I mean, it's amazing what yeah, is possible yeah. when people are, are willing to realize, okay, we're in a situation, we've got to deal with it. Let's figure out what it takes and move on it. Now, one area that's been particularly difficult, Beth, is the whole issue of third-party risk management. It's gotten much more difficult than ever with travel restrictions in place, making it impossible to go and do the face-to-face -face visits, checking out offices and so forth. What do you think compliance teams should be doing to manage this risk given the challenges that they face now? Oh my gosh, Adam, that is a great question. And you know, my philosophy is, the most effective compliant professionals are the ones who are on the ground. That's what I told um, the CEO who hired me when he was asking, you know, what kind of staff do you need? And I said, oh, I just need travel budget. So clearly with COVID, we can't do that. So the first thing that you have to look at is more frequent communication with the operations people on the ground. You know, usually when I have a visit coming up with somewhere, I would talk to them a lot, but not necessarily with other places I wasn't going to visit. So I think as compliance professionals, our teams have had to drop back a little. As, as my dad used to say, you have to drop back and punt if you see the game plan isn't working and then reevaluate. So we've had members of our team focus more on the frequent communication with the ops people. You know, we've never really made much use of this video conferencing piece. You know, we have teams. We used to, you know, before that we had other um, communication tools, but I never really was into the video. I'll have to tell you that the video assessments have turned out to be really, um, really effective. And people are saying, well, gosh, since you know you can't be here in person, it's really nice to at least be able to see your face more frequently. So quite frankly, that's probably something we're gonna keep doing. Uh, another thing that you have to do is look at the risk assessments and the corrective actions that you had put in place. You know, obviously for third-party risk, one of the corrective actions is to do training and we like to do in-person training. Well, we can't do that. So we've had to get a little more creative. Again, the video training, we've had more train the trainers uh, because believe it or not, some of our locations, very few, but some have gone back to work in person. And so we've had that path to follow. Uh, but the other thing is we have started engaging outside resources, even on a temporary basis. And you find, first of all, as you noted, you know, people, are changing businesses and restaurants that used to serve food. Now they became 
boutiques to provide toilet paper even. So when we take a look at people who are temporary out of work, um, who perhaps were engaged in, in something to do with uh, forensic accounting or so forth, we started engaging some of those folks to help pick up the slack a little bit and take a look at some of the things that we are doing to help us out. So one thing that we saw was a dedicated campaign to perform business partner due diligence, right? That's the thing that DOJ and every good practice says, you have to make sure that you perform due diligence on these third parties. So we actually did a, a focused campaign, if you will, for about six weeks to just start reminding people, reaching out to these teams. And now we've seen an uptick in these submissions. And while it's been more work for us, yikes, you know, my compliance team is seeing a huge increase, um, but it's been good because it identified gaps for us that we previously hadn't seen. Um, so I think if you just focus on dropping back a little bit, taking a look at what's around you and then having more frequent communication, it ends up working out better. Well, I think, you know, it's, you really nailed it is um, the more we can communicate, the better off we are. And as we adopt these new ways of working together, you know, we'll find some great value in it. Now, Greg, culture has an enormous impact on risk. You know, some cultures are more risk tolerant than others. And both when I speak of cultures, it may mean peoples around the world, but also notably different organizations have different risk tolerances. Um, and they also tend to have very different attitudes towards compliance. Now, when an acquisition occurs, most of the focus is on integrating the business, but there needs to be a cultural integration as well. Uh, how can organizations manage that transformation effectively? Culture is, is really the heartbeat inside of an organization that drives effective ethics and compliance programs, effective risk management. What, how, what are people's attitudes? What are people's perceptions of leadership? What are people's perceptions of, of, you know, of organizational justice? And all of those things play such an important role in effective ethics compliance programs and risk management. Um, and it's often overlooked. You know, the, the culture piece is often overlooked during that due diligence process in the beginning um, where they're not really looking at that. They're focusing more on the business, as you mentioned, and not thinking about, you know, what are the attitudes, what are the issues, the potential risks that come from an acquired entity's culture. So as a starting place, you know, and the DOJ talks about culture, too, and the importance of, of uh, you know, integration when it comes to M&A and maybe not just stopping with the due diligence process at the beginning, but what are you doing to integrate in a timely, methodical and appropriate way? How long is it taking? What are the, the approaches you're taking? And part of that is a start with an assessment. You know, do a culture assessment on the entity that's being integrated. It's not gonna happen overnight. Um, you wanna understand what the culture is currently in that organization and where those risks are. Um, it should be thoughtful, putting a plan together, an action plan together in order, how is the integration gonna happen? The timing for the integration and follow that path. I mean, follow the, the, the plan that you put together. But remember, I think one thing that's, that's pretty important is it's not gonna happen overnight. You're bringing in an organization, you know, again, that may have their own uh, policies, procedures. You have to do this in a way that's methodical um, and do it in a way that's timely. Now, you know, one important thing to remember is that during the integration process, you know, if you need to be on the lookout as a, as a compliance function, you would need to be on the lookout for issues and challenges that may arise with this. You can't, and you have to address those right away. So even though the integration may not be complete, 
you have to make sure that you're still addressing issues and challenges that come up as part of the integration. You can't wait until that's complete to go address the challenges. So there's still an expectation that you're going to be monitoring and auditing and watching uh, what's happening in that organization during that integration process. But doing a you know, culture assessment generally is a starting place to understand the organization, understand where they are, what their perceptions are, will help you to build um, into the integration things that can help to remedy and make those things better and improve on those things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and Adam, if I can add one specific thing that, that I've seen be very useful for an M&A type thing, you know, Greg hit the nail on the head with the, the culture assessment. And then I've seen we follow up that with naming a compliance ambassador. You want to immediately give ownership to that new entity into what you're doing. And so if you couple those two things together, you'll see that the transformation occurs a little more smoothly. Now, Greg, um, you mentioned the DOJ guidance. Um, what should compliance teams take away from the DOJ's latest direction? This is a timely question, Adam, and, and thank you for asking it. Um, as you know, the invaluable guidance from the DOJ has emphasized and focused on the importance of effective risk management from, from its inception, really. Um, while the current 2020 update does not significantly change the messaging from 2019, it does provide some greater emphasis and insight related to risk in, in a number of areas. And I'll just touch on a few of the highlights. Um, the unique risk profile and circumstances of organizations are going to be considered when, when the DOJ is evaluating effectiveness. One size will not fit all. It's really going to be focused on the uniqueness of the organization. Um, there's recognition in the guidance that organizations are continuously evolving. And the DOJ will, will want to know what are compliance programs doing to keep up, to monitor this change, to improve and, and stay effective. Along the same line, um, organizations will also be expected to explain and provide the rationale for why the compliance infrastructure is set up the way that it is. Um, the guidance provides greater emphasis on the importance of adequate resources and empowerment of the compliance and risk function, which is uh, an area that, that most organizations struggle with, you know, getting the right number of resources for what they need and, and are they actually entitled, empowered to be able to get the job done the way they need to. The importance of making risk-based decisions is also emphasized um, to ensure that organizations are working on the right things at the right time with the right resources. And they're going to be looking at that very closely. Um, there's some helpful insights in there provided on making training more meaningful, impactful. And finally, there's also a stronger emphasis on monitoring and managing third-party risk throughout the life cycle of the relationship, not just during the due diligence process. Now, this only touches on just a few of these key areas, and if we, they're not already doing it, I would encourage everyone that is working in the ethics compliance field to leverage this valuable guidance as a benchmark when building and implementing their compliance and, and risk programs. It's really helpful. Well, Greg, Beth, thank you both for taking the time to share your insights with us today. I want to thank you both also for putting together the risk track. Uh, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>